How many of you are dog lovers here? Raise your hand if you're a dog lover. Um, uh, I'm going to share a story in just a moment uh, with you, and it's not going to start off too well, but I just want to, for those of you that are dog lovers, I don't want you to get mad at me uh, because I'm telling this story. It's going to end well. It's going to have a happy ending, okay? That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, but I count myself as a dog lover. At least I love one of the dogs at my house. The other one I tolerate. Uh, I guess I, I would miss her if she was gone. Sort of like you miss, well, I don't want to get into that. Um, uh, but uh, again, this story comes out of Tacoma, Washington. A newspaper carried the story of Tattoo, the Basset Hound. Now, y'all have a picture in your mind of a basset hound, right? Sort of long and low, right? Long and low, little short stubby legs, right? Now, Tattoo did not intend to go for an evening run. That was not his intention. But when his owner shut his leash in the car door and took off, Tattoo really didn't have much of a choice. Now, did he? Officer Terry Filbert was on his motorcycle when he noticed the passing vehicle was something dragging behind it. It was, he said, a basset hound picking up his feet and putting them down as fast as he could. Can you, can you see that in your mind, that little basset hound trying to keep up with the car? He chased the car down to a stop. Tattoo was rescued, but not before he had reached a speed of 20 to 25 miles an hour. I bet Tattoo had never gone that fast in his life. <laughs> Uh, he did roll over a couple of times, but he was unscathed from the incident. Now, too many of us end up living like tattoo. Our days marked by picking them up and putting them down as fast as we can. Can any of you sort of uh, empathize with tattoo? And I think it's time that we learn maybe a, a better way, another way to live. Now, which, which is the problem, right? I mean, we have been taught that in order for us to succeed, that we have to work our fingers to the bone. We have to work 24-7. We have to be on track and focused and, you know, just going after it. We've been driven to succeed by trusting in our own abilities and in putting more time and more effort, more energy into that success. Now, I believe there's a fine line between being a workaholic and a conscientious, hard worker. Just like there's a fine line between being lazy and taking time to rest. Now, Scripture is clear that we need to have a good balance between a good work ethic and a good rest ethic. And so in our Core 52 study this week, Mark Moore highlights the value of the Sabbath rest. Now, our big idea for the day is this. You are going to find true rest in Jesus. You see, the only way to truly balance work and rest is to be clear about who the Lord of the Sabbath is. And today we want to talk about our need to, for that rest and how we can find it. Now, first of all, we must understand that God instituted a day of rest. 
Now, we're going to get to this in just a moment, but I believe that God did this because He was pointing the way to an eternal rest. But God Himself modeled a Sabbath rest in creation. I, I read this uh, neat little story Janet Weaver shared uh, in an article she wrote, quizzing my preschool class about the story of creation, I asked them what God did on the seventh day. A dark-eyed three-year-old raised her hand and said, I think he mowed the grass. <laughs> I, I think that's what she's seen her own dad do on the seventh day. Well, God didn't cut the grass on the seventh day, but he did rest from his labor. Now, I, I did find Wednesday night when the men talked about this, I was asking them of what, what made them feel like they were resting. And somebody said something about that they felt, you know, rested when they went out and cut the grass and did yard work. And then all the other guys were like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. <laughs> but so, some guys get rest from different things, right? Y'all know what I'm saying. But in Genesis 2, verses 2 through 3, we read, By the seventh day God had finished the work He had been doing. So on the seventh day He rested from all His work. Then God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it He rested from all the work of creating that He had done. Now, what in the world does this mean? Did God get tired? What do you think? Did God need some rest? Was God thinking, thank God it's Friday? You know, was, that, was that what was going on? I don't think any of us believe that. God was simply setting an example for us to celebrate the work that we have accomplished through Him and take some time to reflect on God Himself. He wants us to recognize our need for Him. Now, work cannot become our God. And you know that for some people, work is their God. They think about it 24-7. They can't let it go. It stresses them. It sort of holds them tightly. They, they just can't get it out of their head. And the fruit of our labor cannot be our God. Our God cannot be the material possessions that we gain as a result of our labor. And I think all of these play a point in why God set up the Sabbath. Now, Mosaic law commanded that we recognize the Sabbath. Uh, doesn't it seem crazy that God would have to give us a command to get rest? I mean, <laughs> some people are like, you know, God, God also commands us to work. But God knows us better than we know ourselves. So one of the Ten Commandments was this in Exodus 20, beginning in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day... Uh, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreign res foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but He rested on the seventh day. 
Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy, or the Sabbath, and made it holy. Now why did God do this? Did He just want to create another commandment that we would break so He could crush us? Is that, is that the reason God did this? No, again, He wants us to celebrate the work that we've been able to accomplish and be grateful to Him for the opportunity. You do realize that it is God who gives us the health and ability to work. At any moment, it could be taken away from us. But He also wants us to understand how life works. He's the creator of life, and He wants us to trust Him. Now, last week, we talked about faith and what genuine faith really means. Faith isn't just believing in God. It is trusting in God. Can we trust God enough to rest from our labor for one day? And again, God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows we need rest. Now, there are plenty of statistics that indicate the problems with being a workaholic. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but the average American gets 13 vacation days a year. How many of you get more than that? Raise your hand. You get more than 13. How many of you get 13? How many of you get less than 13? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so here's the deal. 34% of workers don't take a single day of vacation. Think about that. 30% of those who do say the entire time they're gone, they're worrying about their work. <laughs> so it's hardly a vacation. Workaholics' marriages also struggle disproportionately. 55% end in divorce. There is nothing wrong with giving 100%, but most workaholics don't feel like 100% is enough. People who work 11 hours a day or more have 67% greater chance of suffering from heart disease compared to those who typically work eight hours a day. And that sort of makes sense, doesn't it? A motivation for this attitude for work and a lack of rest vary. Part of it is trying to provide financially for the family. We think that we got to work ourselves into an early grave in order to provide for our family. But I want to tell you, there's also a part of it that is self-gratification. There can be a very prideful attitude about our work and about our personal accomplishments. And when someone isn't working who is a workaholic, there is a feeling of guilt or even shame. Never taking a day off, to me, indicates a type of idolatry. A lack of trust in God and only trusting in my own abilities. If you never take a day off, that's not something to brag about. That's something to be concerned about. I read about a Christian author and speaker, Barbara Brown Taylor, who made a decision that she was going to take a year off of speaking engagements away from home and that she was going to try to limit her work week to 40 hours a week because she understood 
It was damaging her family as much as she was being gone. She wrote this, I do not mean to make an idol of health, but it does seem to me that at least some of us have made an idol of exhaustion. The only time we know we have done enough is when we are running on empty and when the ones we love most are the ones we see the least. When we lie down to sleep at night, we offer our full appointment calendar to God in lieu of prayer, believing that God, who is as busy as we are, will surely understand. You know, I hear people say sometimes, I haven't taken a day of vacation in years. It sort of comes across prideful, but it's a problem, not just physically, but also emotionally and especially spiritually. You see, without rest, without taking time away, we are going to crash. You might remember back in January 99 when several commercial fishing vessels uh, had horrible accidents out in the North Atlantic. In a 13-day span, the Cape Fear, the Adriatic, and the Beth D. Bob all were lost at sea off the coast of New Jersey. In all, 10 men died and five would never be recovered. Commercial fishing is a very dangerous occupation, but even so, three ships lost in that short a period of time is sort of unheard of, especially when it wasn't caused by a horrible storm that came up. <clears throat> Investigations revealed the following facts about these three separate tragedies. First, none involved a hull breach. There was no damage done to the ship. All three ships were piloted by veteran captains with 10 years or more of experience. So you wouldn't have expected this. All three ships were near the end of their journey. They were less than 15 miles from home. So what, is, what, what happened? Well, two of the three ships were carrying too much weight. And one was carrying its weight improperly. Commercial vessels on the water in early January are mostly clam boats, and all three of these ships were clam boats. A commercial clam trap is three by three by four feet, and they weigh 300 pounds empty. And when they're fully uh, weighed with everything, all the gear and, and even the clams, uh, one, they weigh one to one and a half tons apiece. Think about that. Now, the Cape Fear and the Adriatic each had 10 extra traps on board. That's 10 to 15 tons of excess weight. Interviewers later asked other boat captains who fished these waters the following questions. Why would a veteran boat captain completely ignore the papers on his boat and attempt to carry 10 to 15 tons more than was safe? And time after time, each of these veteran captains answered with a quizzical look and a shrug. Simply put, it was common practice because they're trying to stuff as many 
on this boat as they possibly can because of the money. These captains didn't perceive themselves in danger. This is the way everybody did it. When we decide that we can overload our life with work and stress and not rest, we are setting ourselves up for catastrophe. Like those fishermen, when our boat gets overloaded, we are going to crash and we're going to sink. But Mark Moore offers this thought. We can get more done in six days with God than in seven days without Him. And that's the point, I think, of the Sabbath. You know, even Jesus needed rest. You may think that you are immune to exhaustion, or that you may think that you don't need rest like the rest of people, but Jesus knew differently. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 30, we read the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to Him all that had, they had done and taught. And then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, He said to them, Come with Me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. I mean, you can imagine, you know, that the crowds would just be around him all the time, asking Jesus for something, asking his disciples for something. That could be a very tiring situation. And Jesus understood, guys, we need to get away. We need to rest. Richard Hunt commented, when Jesus felt overwhelmed, he said to his disciples, come away for a while and rest. So friends, don't allow your pride or ego to tell you something that is false. You and I need rest. And here's the great news. Jesus invites us to rest in Him. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the one who created the entire idea of Sabbath. In Mark 2, 28, Jesus said, So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was not a rule God included in the Ten Commandments to crush people. He was letting us know that not only is it okay to take a Sabbath, but it is expected, it is desired by God that we find time to rest in Him. He invites us to join Him in that rest. Now Jesus knows what it's like to be burdened and physically exhausted. During his ministry, he certainly experienced this. He said to his disciples in Matthew 11, beginning in verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus invited them, and I believe He invites us, to bring our weary and burdened souls to Him to find rest. When we are weighed down with worry and sorrow, we have a place to go. He said we could learn from Him. He set an example for us so that we could learn. 
We need to set aside a time to retreat away from the stresses of life and spend time meditating and praying to God. God wants us to find that rest for our souls. And I don't think this is just talking about after we die. He's talking about the present, that we can find rest for our souls. Now, what does this look like? Well, I think we need to have a healthy balance between work and trust. And by that, I mean we have a a moral understanding that we need to work. Yes, this is true. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Yes, we need to have a good moral ethic on work. This is not a call for laziness. The Sabbath is not God saying, Well, just be lazy. Just stop working. No. He made clear, work six days and rest on the seventh. But when we think that only by working 80 hours a week can we succeed, we're failing to trust God to bless our work. So trust God. Work hard. Put your appropriate time in. But trust that God will bless your work. If you think that working at the expense of your relationship with God is a good thing. In other words, that you don't need to spend time praying, that you'd rather spend time working than reading the Bible, and you're just going to dismiss God, and you're going to put all of your time and energy into work, friend. You are going to crash, and you are going to burn. So schedule some time away where you can relax and enjoy your life, enjoy your family, and focus attention on God. God has given you a precious gift. He has given you life. And for some, He has given us a family. Don't squander your time with your family. Find time to enjoy what you have. If all you do is work and you can't enjoy your family and you can't enjoy the fruit of that labor, then, friend, you do definitely have a problem. So take time out of your calendar and plan some time away. Now, what I've discovered, I don't know how many of y'all have discovered this, but sometimes the vacations we choose to take can be as stressful as work. You're all with, are, y'all, are y'all with me on this? Like some of the places we can go and we plan out every moment and like we're, we're, we're going to this and we're going to do that and we're going to do this. And when you get back from vacation, you need another vacation just to recover from the original vacation. But I think we need to try to find some quiet and peaceful times. Schedule time with God. Maybe take a spiritual retreat. Uh, Drive down to the beach or out to the mountains. I I see on Facebook, some of y'all love the beach or you love the mountains. You know, go out there and sit on that beach and enjoy the nature God has provided and focus your thoughts on Him. Find some time each month to take some time with God. We need this mentally, physically, and spiritually. Jesus invites us to come to Him and find rest. This is for the present, but it also points to a future rest. 
Because you and I all know, if we are people of faith, that heaven is the ultimate rest. God certainly wants us to experience rest in the here and the now. But the Sabbath God instituted was pointing the way to an eternal Sabbath. In Hebrews 4 we read, Therefore, since the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Verse 4, For somewhere He has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day God created or rested from all His work. And then verse 9, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from His. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Friends, one day we will experience a Sabbath rest that will be perfect. We won't be worried about work and vocations and making money or paying bills. We are encouraged to make every effort right now to enter that rest. In Revelation 14, we are taught that in the end, the faithful will enter God's rest. In uh, Revelation 14, 13, then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. Friends, this is the eternal rest that God was preparing even as He created this world. Even as He rested on the seventh day, God was pointing the way to a future Sabbath rest. And normally we might use this to describe death, an eternal rest, we may say he or she entered their eternal rest. You know, recently Tommy Barnes passed away, and, you know, he shared with us that he understood what was coming. He realized his body was failing, and there was really nothing that the medical professionals nor he could do about it. But he had faith that God would give him rest from his suffering and his pain. It isn't just rest from our vocations, but it is resting from the labor of life itself. Did you know that the word labor literally, the Greek word used, literally means a beating, a beating of the breast with grief and sorrow and trouble. So when when that word says rest from your labor, that's what it's talking about. One day, we will be free from the labors of this world. We will truly experience what rest is. And until then, let us come to Jesus and find rest for our souls in the here and now. Find that balance between work and play and rest. And when we do, we will understand our need for rest. Father, thank you for the rest that you offer us. Your Spirit who comforts us in times of trouble and stress. 
We thank you for Jesus who offers to take our burdens and to ease our struggles. Help us to trust you enough to take that rest that you call us to and help us to live in such a way as to receive that final rest for our souls. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.